You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. It's been a double day for jobs numbers in the United States of America. We've had the initial weekly jobless claims, which came in at 1.427 million. And yet we had the US unemployment rate for the month of June coming down to, I think, 11.1% and 4.8 million jobs were created. The US stock market has just opened and it's soaring at the moment, the day before a long weekend. So don't take, read too much into that, I don't think. But to me, it's all very confusing, especially as Tesla is now the most valuable car company in the world with a share price approaching $100 per share. From Liquidity Trader and the Wall Street Examiner, speaking to us from somewhere in Eastern Europe is Lee Adler. Lee, I'm so confused. Please, please help. <laughs> Hey, welcome to the club, my friend. Isn't it strange? Um, the jobs numbers, you're confused? Well, I'm confused by the market participants' reaction to the jobs numbers because the numbers that we've seen don't take into account the fact that half of America is closing down again. Right, exactly. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to um, understand uh, this kind of buying. I, I guess I would attribute it to uh, short covering. Um, you know, the shorts are, are getting slaughtered and, and um, it's self-defense. You have to buy in self-defense to, to stem the losses that you've been suffering all week um, with, you know, the market going straight up in opposition to what would appear to be reality. So um, you, there's obviously still a lot of liquidity coming from the Fed and, um a lot of uh, borrowing to support the uh, prices through margin and a lot of people playing the market from the long side uh, using margin and, and other means of uh, accumulating leverage to drive this higher and um, whether it makes sense or not isn't really relevant um, you know short squeezes happen and this is probably What's driving this? Um, technically, we're coming up to a couple of very important levels. And uh, let's see where we are at the end of the day, my friend. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting because obviously it's a thin market day because uh, of the long weekend that I referenced in my introduction. Uh, but uh, you're a numbers man. You don't look so much at the... Um you know, the fundamentals and what Mr. Trump says in a Fox News interview or anything like that, or what China and Hong Kong are doing, although they're in the back of your mind. What are you seeing numbers-wise when it comes to liquidity from the Fed uh, giving money to the primary dealers? Because we've been quiet on that for quite a while, you and I. Well, the Fed has adjusted uh, its money pumping downward, but, but at the same time, the amount of money that the U.S. Treasury is raising in the market the amount of debt that it is selling is also coming down. So the Fed seems to be adjusting its its purchases and its funding of the market to be roughly equivalent to the amount of treasury supply that's coming in the pipeline. And that has been enough to keep this thing perking along. Now it you know it feels like we're going higher, we're going higher, we're going higher. But in, in reality, we've been in the same trading range for a couple of months now, or at least, you know, about six weeks, I guess, um, somewhere in the 3,100, 3,000 to 3,200 range, 
Uh, we've been locked in this range for a while. Now it feels like it's been a relentless rally, but in reality it hasn't been. Just before you go uh, on, it's exactly what I said to a couple of other commentators. It looks like we're treading water, and I can't work right. out if we're building a top. I mean, I used to live in Cape Town, and I always think of the current market action as a representation of Table Mountain. In other words, there's a great big top, and uh, the only way you can go from a big top like that is down. Or is it a base? I said that rather clumsily, but you see what I mean. Well, it, yeah, it, is it a, is it a top or is it a consolidation in, in a bear, in a bull market? Yes. Uh, yeah. Well, you, we've got to look at the technical levels, and it's hard to say. I mean, I, I don't have the answer to that. I've got some long-term targets that are higher, um, but a lot can go wrong. There's an enormous amount of risk in this market. The you know the jobs data, for example, represented something that happened. Uh, as of June 12th, yeah. which in itself was a reflection of the rebound that happened in May. And, you know, I watched the tax data and the tax data rolled over in June. The, the jobs are being shed again. They just don't know that. yet. Uh, the economy is con- the U.S. economy is contracting again. Um, I've tied the, uh, the tax collections directly to the virus numbers, there's a direct correlation there. So as the virus numbers increase, the tax collections decrease, which is a reflection of the economy contracting. So there's a lot of risk here. There really and- is. I saw something. Actually, I found it quite moving, actually. There was a CNN report. Okay, CNN is sometimes it's a bit sensational in its reporting. But there was a chap that went to a Texan hospital in San Antonio, actually. And there were people in corridors. He got quite emotional after he'd reported this because it's completely overwhelmed by the amount of people that are coming in that are genuinely sick. And they haven't got just the sniffles. They are dying. These people are dying in corridors. And there's 50,000 new cases yesterday were reported in the United States. And do you know what Mr. Trump says? He says, I look like the Lone Ranger in my mask. I like the way I look. What is that? Oh, don't get me started on him, please. <laughs> you know, he's the worst person in the world. He and he's I've been evil. telling you this for a long time, Lindsay. It, it, it's bad. And it's, I won't say it's worse than I expected because I have felt that the man is Hitler like from the beginning. Uh, he's, he's working against tremendous institutional forces in the United States that do respect the Constitution. And hopefully they'll win out in the end, but I'm not convinced that we won't have a bad outcome. Um, he's a bad guy. He's a really bad guy. And, and I think everyone in the world, in the free world, recognizes that. And most Americans recognize it and are hope, hoping for a change in, in the fall. But what does that have to do with the stock market? Absolutely nothing. That's a very good quote, actually. He's a bad guy, but what does that have to do with the stock market? Absolutely nothing. I'm going to write that down, Lee, and I might use it, actually. (laughs) So don't patent it too soon. Okay, so where's the market going? I've got the S&P futures at 31.50, let's call it. Let's round it up to 31.50, up 1.5% on the day after the jobs numbers. The market wants to go up, so it'll use any excuse to go up. But on the other hand, in thin conditions ahead of the long weekend, is it sustainable? Or in six hours' time, Will something be completely different when we close? Well, here's the level to watch. You know me. I'm looking at support and resistance all the time. And uh, the 3150, 60 area on the S&P futures is a critical trend line. Um, I doubt that it will be breached. 
And I think the market will roll over, but I, I don't know. And I'm going to let the market tell me. If it gets through there, then I think we're certainly going to test the early June high and probably will generate enough momentum to push all the way back to the uh, February 2020 high on the S&P. I believe the uh, NASDAQ is already at a new high. Mm. So, um, you know, the, the technical factors are pretty straightforward at this point. If they get through 31.50.60, then that should generate an additional push higher. Okay, let's have a look at one other market, and that is the gold price in US dollar terms. It's 17.70 at the moment. It was in the 1780s uh, 24 hours ago or 36 hours ago. Uh, what do you make of that? Because you've been very vocal via Twitter on, yeah, on the gold it, price. It, it, I mean, I, you've liked it for a long time, and so have I. So we've both been right for once in our lives. What do you think now? Well, without having the charts directly in front of me, obviously uh, we're, we're at an important resistance level here. Uh, the, the odds are that gold is going higher. Uh, 1,800 looks to be in the cards. And if they get through that, then certainly uh, 1,900. So it, it's pretty positive for gold at this point. The all-time high, I think, was 1,918 US dollars per right. ounce. Can it go there? Can it go to the yeah, magical so. 2,000 number? Can it go to 2020 in 2020, for example? Yeah, I think if it gets through the old high, it's going much higher. I would look for 2,500 or so. But uh, the key level right now is 1,800. They have to get through that. And um, I think that it, it's certainly possible to get through that now. I also think that this long consolidation, this trading trading range in the 1,700s can continue for quite a while as well. I can't see a bearish case for gold at this point. Can you see a bearish case for U.S. equities or U.S. stock markets rather? Uh, I, I want to see it roll over first. That has to tell me that. And, it, you know, the Fed, like I said, is doing enough and appears committed to do enough to keep the game going. Uh, the bond market is the big wild card, the Treasury market. If they, um, you know, they seem to be, be able to keep that pegged as well. And uh, the 10-year yield situation, I think, is where we have to continue to focus. Uh, 0.8, 0.75, 0.8 on the 10-year yield is a critical level. If it gets above that, then the wheels are coming off. And by the same token, if it falls below 0.60, it would suggest that the economic wheels are falling off. And uh, that would not be good news for the stock market. So I think 0.6 to 0.8 on the 10-year yield is something that uh, we can all key on as signals for which way this thing is going to break. You're an American stuck in Europe at the moment, and I noticed yeah. the European Union is saying that because of the extraordinary acceleration of coronavirus or COVID-19 cases in the United States of America, particularly in certain states, uh, there's certain restrictions on people traveling from the United States to the European Union. You're in the European Union, a US citizen. What does this mean for you? Are you stuck? Yes, you're stuck. <laughs> uh, I'm in Croatia, which is a, a, an unusual situation because it's part of the European Union, but it is not part of the uh, Schengen uh, extended visa area where uh, travelers can uh, roam freely from country to country. It's one of the few EU countries that is not included, along with the UK and Ireland. Yeah. Um, but uh, so I can't go anywhere because the Schengen area has not reopened to Americans. And even though I've been here in the EU since November, that doesn't matter. I carry a U.S. passport, 
any U.S. passport won't get me into anywhere but the U.S. right now, and I certainly don't want to go back to the U.S. under current conditions. So I will happily stay here in Zadar, Croatia, a lovely little town on the Adriatic Sea, and I'll wait this out here. So you could go to your local airport, get a flight, and go straight back to the United States, should you well, so I'd wish. Have to fly through, I'd have to fly through probably Frankfurt, Germany, uh, to get back to JFK in New York, and then I would have to fly from New York to Florida. So I'd have to go through four airports and fly on three different airplanes. And at my age and with my uh, pre-existing health conditions, I think I'd rather just stay, stay put right here on the shores of the Adriatic Sea in beautiful little Zadar. Exactly. Probably a lot cheaper than the United States of America. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Very much so. What do you pay for a beer there? Uh, I guess about one euro. I'm not a beer drinker, but you can get a glass of wine for uh, uh, maybe uh, one euro 80, something like that. Two glasses of wine, usually for a discount, about 275. So, uh, yeah, you can drink cheap and you can get a beautiful uh, waterfront apartment here with a view of the sea for uh on an annual basis probably around 500 euros a month it's it's very very inexpensive place to live wonderful restaurants uh, and uh just just a great scene but tragically i i see everyone walking around without masks here i think you know they're they're, they're playing russian roulette in a way uh, people seem to be very confident that the virus isn't coming back here but yet the numbers have not been great in the last couple of weeks so I personally remain cautious. Okay, well, while you're playing Croatian roulette, uh, tell us how we can keep in touch with your work, please, Lee. Well, of course, my proprietary work uh, by subscription is at liquiditytrader.com, and I write free articles on occasion at wallstreetexaminer.com. Lee Adler, thanks so much for your time. That's Lee Adler from Liquidity Trader and also the Wall Street Examiner. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position, or opinion of any other agency, organization, employer, or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision, and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.